Hey, it's Christopher Ewing. Join me and other stroke survivors from across the country and around the world during the second annual Life After Stroke Support Group Cruise, October 28th to November 1st, 2024, aboard Royal Caribbean's beautiful Navigator of the Seas cruise ship. The ship leaves round trip from Los Angeles, California, making port stops to Catalina Island and Ensenada, Mexico. Stroke survivors, as well as their caregivers, family, and friends are invited to join us as we just take some time to put aside the thoughts of stroke and just enjoy life again. So join us October 28th to November 1st aboard Royal Caribbean's beautiful Navigator of the Seas, leaving round trip from Los Angeles and making port stops in Catalina and Ensenada, Mexico. For more information, just go to www.thestrokechannel.tv. That's thestrokechannel.tv. And remember, there's still a beautiful life after stroke. The following is a recorded program of an actual stroke support group. The comments expressed are the personal opinions of the participants and not necessarily the opinions of the producers, sponsors, or the broadcasters of this show. This program is not to be used as a way to diagnose or treat any medical condition that you may have. Please consult your doctor or healthcare professional before making any changes to your current medical routine. Stroke. 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 It comes out of the blue, sometimes without warning. But those who survive it should never lose hope. A stroke can be life-changing. But it is also a new beginning. Because for all survivors, there is still a beautiful life after stroke. Hey everybody, welcome to Life After Stroke. I'm Christopher Ewing. Today we're broadcasting from home base, which is Providence St. Joseph's Medical Center in Burbank, California. And we are here with the gang and... um, We've got kind of an interesting topic, which is kind of part two from uh, our last episode. Um, we'll go around the horn first, uh, and we can start with you, my friend down there. You can say hi to everybody. Good morning. Hi, my name's Dave. And to refresh everybody who may be new to the show and whatnot, uh, uh, tell everyone a little bit about your stroke and how, I when, when. I had a massive right frontal stroke and. 2016, November of 2016. Mm-hmm. And you'd never even know it if you saw him because he is, the, uh, as I say, the epitome of recovery. That's yoga, tai chi, and working out. Okay. And so water aerobics. There you go. So take that advice from him because I tell you what, I, I'm still not convinced you had a stroke. I'm just going to go in. <laughs> I, I, can g- I can get you the medical report. I'll just go downstairs. <laughs> I mean, it, it just continues to just be such an inspiration. You, you should have seen I mean? me before. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I've heard. Yeah, you yeah. said you were flat out and paralyzed. And yeah, I was. I was pa- paralyzed on the left side. Right, right. And had swallowing issues? Swallowing issues. Yeah, yeah I couldn't eat. Yeah, for quite a while. Like six, was it six weeks? Something yeah, six like weeks, that? yeah. That's amazing. And I tell you, man, I, people that listen to the show all the time just hear me go on and on about you, and it's all right. You can hear it again. I am just so happy for you, man. You are literally the epitome of recovery so yeah, getting there mm-hmm. yeah today's the kids last day of second grade yeah oh, that's cute oh that'll be cool that's good good for them um next to dave we have i'm probably opposite of dave i'm very very lazy you're the opposite <laughs> of dave you're very very lazy <laughs> this is gene uh, our uh, comic relief here you always crack me up gene uh, yeah, but i have my strokes a lot longer ago than days. It's about eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had a ischemic stroke. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably the thing that keeps running me of my stroke 
is a tsunami in Japan. But um, then I think of the uh, lack of knowledge or lack of application of knowledge mm -hmm. to the Fukushima nuclear plants. And then I think of the uh, various uh, professional research groups mm -hmm. do not ever seem to have any patience in it. So it's become my mission in life to have a certain amount of input. I want to show patients and survivors to have some input in a stroke research. Mm -hmm. Boy, I tell you, you know, and it's interesting that you say that, Gene. Uh, first of all, for everybody listening, and Gene has shared this before, uh, Gene used to be the president of the American Dental Association, like the president of the American Dental Association. And it's really been interesting to see how Gene has taken his uh, professionalism and his stature of, you know, who he was in the dentistry world and carried over into the stroke world in as much as what he just said about um, really wanting to kind of promote the involvement of stroke survivors in stroke research. Uh, Gene got a lot of us involved in a walking research group. Uh, a group that goes on at USC out here in uh, Los Angeles. And I tell you, you know, wherever you live, everybody that's listening, wherever you live, there is a hospital in your area that is doing research. Nine times out of 10, now it might not be the corner hospital, but it might, you know, won't be necessarily the regional hospital, but it might be one of the big university hospitals or something like that. Definitely, like Gene was saying, get involved in that stuff because it is just great. I mean, I've been involved in the walking research group that you talked about and that you told us all to get involved in because um, they were looking for stroke survivors to participate in their study. And I'm also involved in one for OT, uh, occupational therapy type stuff, where they work a lot with my arm and my hand and stuff like that. Both have made an incredible difference. And... um you know, it's a great thing, especially now in my case, I, I haven't been cut off from my insurance or anything like that. But for people who maybe don't have insurance or people who don't have enough insurance to be able to take advantage of PT and OT as much as they might physically need to, man, get involved in some of these research groups and you'll be doing it in those studies just as you would if, you know, your insurance was still covering it. And on top of that, some of these research studies even pay you. You know, so you're getting paid to basically go and do OT and PT and that a switch, you know. So, um, you know, look into some of those uh, uh, research studies that are going on in your area. I think that's absolutely right, Gene. Really good. I think it's really important how you are involved. Yes. Yes. And you know what? And that only helps the research, too, because the researchers, I mean, thank God, you know, they haven't had a stroke, many of them. So, I mean, they're kind of going at it kind of blindly, which is why they're even doing these studies. And they need people like us to participate in those studies in order to, you know, find out what works, what's going to be the next breakthrough. I mean, you know, we're all kind of contributing to hopefully the cure or eradication of, of stroke you know, in the world. So um, next to Gene is? I'm Bob Parker. And and you had a stroke when? Uh, I had uh, two strokes in the same day right. nine years ago. 
Right. One before you got to the hospital and your second one actually in the hospital. All right. Right. And for new listeners, I call him Dr. Parker because he has his Ph.D. in education and uh, was a a scholar at Rutgers for 25 years. I think he said 20 over 20 years. Yes. And um, I was. Yeah. And has written several books, uh, both pre and post stroke. And. Basically, today's topic has a lot to do with um, Dr. Parker, in a sense, and I I will go on record as saying this, although we were talking just a little bit before we went on the air here, but I'll say this. Um, Dr. Parker, today's topic is going to revolve around what you and I discussed after last week's show, and... um, I'm very uh, flattered. No, I'm not flattered. I, I, I mean, it's not, it's not that I'm not flattered. But when you first came in, after a couple of minutes, you said, you know, you really learned a lot from our talk last week. And, and I'm very, it's very nice of you to say. Um, and I left that conversation with a lot, too, which is why I want to do this topic today. But I'm really? going to preface all of this by saying this. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about what you and I talked about after the show mm-hmm. last week. And if you have any reservation about us talking about that topic, mm. we won't do this show. No. I, I, will, I will delete this show and we won't even air it. No, no. You're okay? We'll go right ahead. Okay. So um, you guys all know that I'm a crier, so i just preface, <laughs> prefacing it now that I will probably cry. So what? <laughs> um, but um, in our last episode, the topic was... Um, how have you, as a stroke survivor, adjusted to your stroke? Um, and how has the journey been post-stroke? Um, what, and also, what have you done along that journey to kind of um, uh, help yourself heal, both physically and emotionally, from the fact that you had a stroke? And then we got into the conversation of um, people who have helped us along the way. I kind of call it, you know, putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. Um, You know, who have those, you know, all the king's horses and all the king's men been, you know, the the therapists and just all the caregivers that have kind of come into our lives and how thankful we are for them. Well, as we closed up that show, um, Dr. Parker shared with me one of the poems that he wrote. And it was really a really cool poem. And um, it was talking about how um, he's got things and he's appreciative of those things. And, you know, he lives in a nice place and he's got a TV set, you know, just and it was just really cool. And, And when I read it after we went off the air last week, I said, you know what, Dr. Parker? I said, can you come sit over here in front of the mic? I said, I would really love for you to read this. Because, you know, I, I love Audible and audio books and stuff like that. And I thought, you know, hey, he's the, you know, the author. Let him narrate his own thing. You know, you see these things, you know, narrated by the author. Well, I would like for you to be the narrator of your poem since you are the author. So you sat in front of the mic and you read your poem. And when we were done, you made the statement. And here's my point. You made the statement. He said, I usually give this to other people to read. And I said, oh, I said, what do you mean? You give it to them to read because you want them to read it or you give it to them to read because you don't want to read it. And you said, yeah, I give it to them because I don't want to read it. I don't like to read it. And I said, well, why is that? And you said, and I'll let you say it. I was ashamed of my performance reading the form. And 
that's kind of the first time I've let you get it all the way out. Mm-hmm. Although I did let you say it earlier when we were here, because as soon as you said it to me that day, when I saw you turn in the corner and going to, because I feel a, sh- I stopped you. I said, no, 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 bro. We're not going there. I will not let you finish that word. As I said to you then, uh, as I said to you earlier, when you told me about how you came away from that conversation from last week, I'm going to say it to you now. You have absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. Mm -hmm. And as I said to you last week, if there are murderers out here in the street, if they're not ashamed of the fact of, of, of how they're living their lives and what they do with their lives, we as stroke survivors have no reason to be ashamed of who we are. We didn't choose this. I mean, this just kind of happened to us. And whatever the, you know, the, the lasting effects or temporary effects or whatever of our strokes may be, that's just what it is. And that's just who we are. That may be who we are forever. It may just be who we are for now. But regardless, we have nothing to be ashamed of because we are not our stroke. We are still who we are. Mm-hmm. And I then asked you some other questions. I said, well, you know, let me ask you this. Are you ashamed of your PhD? And you said, no. And I said, well, let me tell you. And as I've said to you before about this, even a few episodes ago, I said, well, first of all, if you're talking to anybody who doesn't have the time for you to take a couple extra minutes to get out whatever you want to say, that's somebody you don't need to be talking to anyway. But on top of that, to whoever you're speaking to, to whom you would feel ashamed in front of or embarrassed in front of to try to speak, not only do you not need to be speaking to them, but pose them this challenge. Yes, I might speak a little slow. It might take me a minute to get it all out. It might come out you know, a little hard to understand, but tell you what, how about you go earn your PhD and I'll go learn to talk faster and I'll meet you right back here. What time do you want to say? You know what I mean? I mean, you said you got your PhD in two years, Mm -hmm. for goodness sakes. So my point is, is that we as stroke survivors, we are who we are. We are not our stroke. And we still are who we were pre-stroke. Now, we might do it a little slower. might not be able to do it as long. We might talk a little slower. might do things a whole lot differently than we did Mm pre-stroke. But... For instance, one thing that you did say in the last episode was you feel that your writing is better now oh, yes. than it was Much pre-stroke. Better, better now. And so <clears throat> my point is, is that not only are you still the same person post-stroke as you were pre-stroke, you said you're even a better person in the area when better, it comes to writing better. absolutely yeah absolutely and so that's why i say maybe we are, a better person too well there you go <laughs> and so again we are not our stroke in terms of you know some paralysis some slow movement slow speech whatever it is but everything else is still there and it's there in some cases even to a greater degree so we're going to take a break but here's the question that we're going to address here do any of you currently or have you ever felt ashamed or embarrassed of the fact that you have had a stroke so i will let you ponder that and uh we will discuss that when we come back 
Life After Stroke is part of the iHeartRadio Podcast Network. Search Life After Stroke on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to follow, like, and subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. Also, be sure to download the new StrokeChannel.tv app, available free from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Hey everybody, this is Christopher Ewing from Life After Stroke, and there is something new we're launching that we are very excited about. We are launching the Life After Stroke online support group. This is a weekly support group that is held online for those who don't have access to a support group in their area or who are unable to attend a support group because of physical limitations. The group meets each week online at www.thestrokechannel.tv or on the strokechannel.tv app and is open to stroke survivors as well as caregivers. For more information and to sign up to be a part of this really cool online support group, just go to www.thestrokechannel.tv. That's thestrokechannel.tv. And I'll see you soon during the Life After Stroke online support group. Hey everybody, welcome back to Life After Stroke. I'm Christopher Ewing. And today's topic is if you are a stroke survivor, have you ever felt or do you currently feel embarrassed or ashamed of the fact that you had a stroke and that you know any difficulty that you may have speech wise motor wise whatever else um, is that a source of embarrassment or shame in your mind dr parker since you're holding the mic we'll let you go first i mean you you kind of started this so uh uh a week ago i was a sin to speak publicly. Hmm. And so this week. And now this week I am not ashamed to speak publicly. I I realize there's some People who don't want to hear uh, uh, a stroke survivor, uh, and I, I accept uh, uh, those. But I also know that there is some other people out there who. Uh, do uh, uh, see I uh, need to be uh, be silent while I speak, and then uh, all only then uh, uh, answer. Now I'm going to go here with this when it comes to you because you're kind of a special little sort here. <laughs> Um, number one, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to even do this type of show is because I know that on the other side of our microphones, there are other stroke survivors all over the world. We, we get emails from them. I've seen the stats. I know they're out there. Hi, you guys. We love you guys. Um, who are just like us. I mean, the motor functions might be crazy. Their speech might be crazy. I mean, stuff stroke done come and just cause havoc. And the purpose, one of the purposes of this show is to show them and emphasize the fact that they are not alone, that, you know, we are here. We, we're here with them and we're all in this together. 
we are stroke. I mean, and we are the voice of stroke. We are the face of stroke. We are stroke. Now, the other thing about you, and this is why I say that there's something very special about you, is the fact that because you're a published author and because you write so incredibly well and you've got these great books and everything, you did not allow stroke to silence those writings, you know? Stroke may have come in and slowed your speech down. It may have come in and done whatever else. But as you've shared, it's made you even a better writer, you know, and a better author. Well, uh, let's go back to my first book. Mm-hmm. And try to go back to uh, the point at which uh, Joe, mm-hmm. my wife, mm-hmm. said to me, I think you better write a book about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the, uh, the two strokes, and you're slowly, slow recovery from the two, the two strokes. Mm-hmm. Now, so let me go here now. Since you want to talk about being ashamed or embarrassed, are you ashamed of the fact that you have written these books and that people have taken from those books great comfort, great knowledge, great help in their lives? I'm not ashamed. Exactly. And I mean, obviously, it's a silly question. So my point is, is that we have to remember and and. And never forget the fact that we, number one, again, I've said it before, we are not our stroke. But number two, what somebody else may think about us in the midst of whatever we're going through. Who cares? (laughs) You know, in the grand Mm -hmm. scheme of things. Because look at the value that we still have and that we are still bringing. You know, the same person who you might feel ashamed of trying to speak in front of or, or embarrassed to speak in front of is the same person who might read your book and be like, wow, that was really awesome. Or read your poems and be like, wow, that was a really great poem. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think some of it may be our own perception and our oh, own, you know, what, what we bring, sure. you know, we think, oh, gosh. I, I and it may the, not even enter in their uh, mind. I I think uh, the person is totally mine. Gene, what do you think? I think uh, the the terminology is somewhat deceiving because I think that stroke is not a single disease, Mm -hmm. but many diseases. And uh, different diseases uh, result in various deficit mm-hmm. so have you have you ever been ashamed or embarrassed by the fact that you had a stroke well i am a little bit ashamed of certain symptoms one of which is what you are hearing now my mouth does not go as fast as my brain so it's very very difficult to express an idea because I'm probably on the third idea but then but but I just think shame and embarrassment is the wrong 
It's the wrong everything. I mean, well, it could be the wrong set of uh, descriptors, but I think that the. I mean, I think it's one thing to feel frustrated because um, I know I get frustrated that I don't move as quickly or can't tie my shoes or little things like that. I can't put my belt on through all the loops by using both hands to do it, stuff like that. Um, but I just don't feel, I don't think that we should feel any sense of shame. Well, if it was not for the shame, we would not have the incentive to practice. So, But again, I think, but I don't, again, I don't know that shame is the word. I think if it weren't for the frustration, if it weren't for the doggone it, I used to do this so much quicker before the stroke. Um, I think those things can be markers and and motivators, but I just, you know, embarrassment in front of people or feeling like, you know, I just, I can't, I can't go there. I can't co-sign on that. I mean, you might be uh, absolutely right that. Being ashamed does not equate to a deficiency, but perhaps the words that I have that I can communicate with, the only one that I could come up with is being embarrassed or being ashamed. I I guess I say this to you, too, because I remember before I really got to know you, um, I would get these emails that either you would send me directly or you would send through the group pipeline and stuff. And you write literally the best emails. I mean, the most articulate, intelligent emails. And and I'll go here with it because, you know, when I first met you in the stroke group, um, you know, you, you didn't say a lot. But then when you did speak, you know, it took me a minute to kind of, you know, here because you know i was new to the stroke world i'd never you know talked to a lot of people that had strokes before you know had any speech deficits and lord knows you know i had mine and i still have my speech deficits believe me it takes every bit i can do to even talk right now i have to really focus and think um but it was really interesting that when i got an email from you I was like, man, this guy's really deep he's a really smart guy you know i mean so well written and put together in, in the whole nine. The, and the reason I say this is, is because you have, uh, you are another one. What in the world do you have to be ashamed about of the fact that your body or your brain did something that you had no control over, but yet also on top of that, you're still left with your intelligence and Lord knows your wit because your sense of humor. <laughs> I mean, good Lord. Um, and that's, and those are all the things that, you know, we love you for, you know, all of it. You know, your humor and your intelligence. Um, yeah. I think that uh, without humor and without uh, introspection and without efficiency, perhaps the uh, written word would be insufficient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. Um, and maybe some of the other stroke survivors listening uh had this uh, given to them as well when i had my stroke and you know what five days later was sent to the rehab hospital uh, where i was for a month they um prescribed prozac for me and i you know have never you know been depressed or anything like that and you know some mad love to all my brothers and sisters out there who you know have uh, maybe you know or, or are dealing with depression and things like that i just thought Okay, well, why do I need that? I don't feel depressed. And they said, well, we're not giving it to you for that. 
um, there have been studies that Prozac helps reconnectivity in mice following a stroke. You know, they gave animals a stroke, I guess, and found that Prozac helped things get back together if you give it at the right time, which was that window of time that I was in, which is basically immediately after the stroke. And so I was like, oh, okay. And I Googled it and I was like, oh, well, I guess they did do this study. And yeah, it did help people's stroke brains come back quicker and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, same thing you too, Dave? Yeah, gotcha. So when they gave that to me, you know, I was on it for like maybe, I don't know, uh, two or three months or something. And then I started to, and, and I never felt any embarrassment or shame about my stroke. I mean, yeah, I was bummed that, you know, man, this kind of sucks, you know, but I wasn't like, you know, a, a mess, you know, I was just like, I mean, I was a physical mess, but it wasn't an emotional mess. And I started to wonder, well, I wonder why I'm not upset that I had a stroke. Is it because I'm on Prozac? Because I'm really not upset about the fact I'm kind of pissed, you know, and I wish, you know, I could get things back going again, but I was never, you know, a pool of tears like, oh man, what happened, you know? And so, at any rate... Yeah, I wasn't in the pool of tears, but I was pissed. Yeah. So, at any rate, I, um, when they took me off the Prozac, I was thinking, okay, now's, you know, what's going to happen now? You know, because now am I going to be, like, really bummed or things? And there was no change. I mean, just, I still have the same kind of attitude. Okay, well, this sucks. <laughs> you know, it takes me an hour to get dressed when you take me five minutes. Um, but I'm, I'm still the same. So, I just, um, I just started to think about the fact that it's one thing to feel frustrated it's one thing to feel bummed uh you know frustrated that you can't do things in much of a hurry as you used to and things like that but we have nothing to be ashamed of and that's the thing i think that i really want to try to really emphasize with you know all of our listeners who you know may be new to the stroke game or maybe they've been in it for a while because we get emails and i get emails from people that say you know man i love your show you know i'm just so depressed about you know my life i want to get my life back you know i read these things and it's like where'd your life go you just sat here and wrote me an email so you still got life you still got life in you you know um you know it, it you're still you, you know, like I said, you might move a little slower, you might talk a little slower, but you're still you. And we need to not lose track of that. And that's the thing I was saying to you, Dr. Parker earlier is that you did not allow stroke to get in between you and your writing. You know, as you said, if anything, it got even more enhanced, you know, it's very easy to fall into this thing like, oh man, this sucks. And then you just let everything go. Can't go there. Can't go there. Dave, what about you, man? I think the, the same thing. I had the same sentiment. You know, I, I wasn't. Uh, it wasn't always me. It was. I was mad mm-hmm. that you know that I kind of. Maybe there could have been some. Uh, there should have been something. There should have been some. Some inkling somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. I thought I was doing the right t- thing. You know, my my cholesterol was always, you know, within level, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but still, I had you know blood clots in the brain. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, do they really have a, a total answer for it? No. But I have a I had a partially clarted, partially uh, collapsed carotid right artery. Mm-hmm. So is it, and, but then I also have a slow heartbeat. These are things. I mean, a slow heart rate. Mm-hmm. These are things that you know should have been caught a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But I had the Doppler. You know, probably six weeks before I had the stroke. Mm-hmm. And everything was fine. My cholesterol was always good. I exercised, I kayaked, but you know, probably not as much as I should have. 
now. Yeah, that's hindsight. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of pissed that I didn't pick those things up. Mm-hmm. Or someone in the medical, pr- my doctors didn't pick it up. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that is what it is. Yeah, right. Na- now, mm-hmm. now they, you know, they check everything I do. I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm on aspirin, which is th- the blood thinner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm on Lexapro, but that's for anxiety. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, as I said, man, you know, your recovery has just been such a great inspiration. You know, you be- see me before, that's what I said. You know. <laughs> yeah, right. And I, you know, I'll, I'll get s- I'm getting some of it back, mm-hmm. but it's taking time. But I couldn't even move my left hand before. Right. And now I can move it. I can, right. unlike you, I can actually lift it up all the way. Now, you know, I want to say this. You hear the baby thing in the background, the baby lullaby thing? I know for all you guys listening, whenever you listen to the show and you hear that lullaby, you know, I've heard when, when we when we go to edit the show, I have used to hear that and I'd be like, man, who's got a lullaby as their ringtone on their phone? I would always hear that. And then finally I asked one day, I said, you know, now there's nobody here with the phone. Why is that playing? So for everybody listening, whenever you hear that lullaby in the background, it means that a baby was just born. And a few weeks ago, there was like four of them during the show. I thought, man, this is a baby day. <laughs> you know, yeah. what was everybody doing nine months before this day? You know, but um, I think we know. Yeah, right. Well, I, I kind of meant like what was going on in the world. No, not what they're doing. But, you know, there was a lot of babies born a couple weeks ago. and They were just kept playing all day long. But it was really kind of cool. So anyway, uh, that's just as a sidebar, because I know people listening like, why do we hear lullaby in the background? Well, that's why, um, y- you know, I went to a, uh, a water aerobics class, and mm-hmm. there was a lady named Denny King, and she's, I told her I had a stroke. I was paralyzed on the left side, mm-hmm. and she goes, how are you with water? I said, I'm okay with water. I used to swim a lot, mm-hmm. and so basically she goes, well, if you fall over, you won't fall far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. It's not going to hurt. Right. You know, you might gulp a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kind yeah. of the incentive right sure, there. Sure, sure, sure. And then, you you know, you just start walking. And she, she's make me walk from one side of the pool, then back, and then again, then then mm-hmm, back, mm-hmm. then again and back. And I must have done it a hundred, a hundred times. Mm. And then when I got out of the water, I felt pretty good. Mm-hmm. Then also my, uh, my Tai Chi instructor. And basically, you're not supposed to move your head. You're supposed to do everything with your periphery. Mm-hmm. But my periphery was gone with the stroke. Mm-hmm. And it has since come back. Mm-hmm. And I have one person to thank for that. There was a, a doctor, mm-hmm. he's a cardiologist, and he also had a stroke. And he used to come to the stroke support groups. And uh, he had the same type of stroke I had. And mm-hmm. his he lost his sight, and it came back. And he kept mm-hmm. on telling me, it's going to come back, Dave. It's going to come mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. You know, week after week, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. You know, and from a gray cloud, it, it kind of now I can see out of my, mm. I can see out of my right eye now. Right. I can see all of you. So. Right, right, right. So it's, it's, it's amazing. Right. And see, and that's really, again, why we do this show is because, you know, we all have experiences with our respective stroke. And there's also people who are listening who are going through their own experiences with their own stroke. And a lot of them take away a little bit of knowledge and information from each of us as we share it because... They'll think, oh, I couldn't swallow for six weeks or, oh, my speech was affected or, oh, my motor function. And so, oh, okay, so it does come back or, you know, it can come back. If it came back for this person, you know, it can come back for others. I had blind spots and now I can see pretty well. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've adapted pretty well, but I can see pretty well. Right, right, right. You know, from my um, from my own situation, uh 
I was never really depressed, and um, I know that some people uh, have. Some people may think, okay, well, given what your career is, um, you know, where you know you're on television and you're doing radio and all this other kind of stuff, um, you know, did that ever bum you out? Did the stroke bum you out from that respect? Because, you know, I, I had to stop doing my TV show for a while. I mean, I could go back and do it now because, you know, my, my face is a little evened out again, whereas before it was drooped on one side and, you know, worked very hard at getting my speech back. Um, but at the same time, I'm left with a deficit. You know, people will look at me walk and they'll be like, oh, what'd you do to your leg? And I say, well, it's not what I did to my leg. It's what my brain did to my leg, you know. So, um, you know, and, and my left arm, I'm not going to be a juggler anytime soon. Uh, you know, that's for sure. Um but, uh, you know, it, it works, it does what it does, and it does it to the best that I can make it do. And But I'm not ashamed or embarrassed by it. And, you know, I, I, one image of a man who I uh, had the pleasure of meeting many years ago, uh, he has since passed away, uh, but was Dick Clark. I met him many years ago before his stroke. I met him at a big television convention. He was the nicest man. And, you know, we all know that he eventually had a stroke and, you know, but yet he still went on and did the whole Dick Clark New Year's Eve thing, even after he had a stroke. And, you know, he was very severely, um, you know, impaired you know, speech wise and things like that. But yet this man still went on television in front of millions of people and he did his thing and still ran his company until the day he died and so forth. And so, you know, we, we all have those examples of people who show that, you know, yeah, okay, this happened, but you know what? I'm I'm living anyway, and I'm going to keep on going. I can still be an author. I can still be an outstanding doctor in the medical field, you know, in terms of giving advice. I know that you're retired now, Gene, but, you know, you still are the same person with the same wealth of knowledge that you had pre-stroke, and Lord knows that sense of humor hasn't gone anywhere. I'm going to have to ask your wife, Claire, were you always funny and, and silly and goofy? Because we love you, man. You just you crack us up all the time. And, you know, and Dave, you, you know, you're, again, just the poster child. As I told you, you've kicked me in the tail many times that you don't even know it. You know, I just think about the fact that, you know, of your recovery and, and how things are possible. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, what we're going to do is we're going to go around the horn and give people some advice who are listening as to how if they happen to be in a funk like you know like again some of the people have written in that have said man i just i feel so depressed i just want my life back you know i mean we're all out here living life let's give some advice to them as to how they can live their life and keep living their life and push all that nonsense aside so anyway hang tight you guys we'll be right back Hey, this is Christopher Ewing, and if you live in the Houston area, don't miss the 2019 Abilities Expo, August 2nd through the 4th in Houston, Texas. The Abilities Expo is a nationwide trade show dedicated to highlighting products geared to those who may have a physical disability or motor function impairment. Abilities Expo brings exhibitors from around the world all under one roof, allowing visitors to see up close some of the wonderful products that are out there that can help make life easier. Admission to the Abilities Expo is free, and the Life After Stroke radio show will be broadcasting throughout the entire weekend from the StrokeChannel.tv booth, so be sure to stop by and say hi. I'd love to meet you guys. And if you live outside of the Houston area, the Abilities Expo is held all across the country, so chances are it'll be coming to a city near you. So just go to www.abilities.com for upcoming expo dates and for more information. And I look forward to meeting you at the upcoming Abilities Expo August 2nd 
through the 4th in Houston, Texas. Hey everybody, welcome back to Life After Stroke. I'm Christopher Ewing. Today the topic is, do you feel ashamed or embarrassed that you had a stroke? And if so, um, first of all, stop it. (laughs) And so, um, because we're not going there. We're not having that. Just like I told Dr. Parker last week, which is why we're even having this topic. You know, he had shared that, uh, you know, he doesn't normally read his own work out loud because he's ashamed and embarrassed of how he speaks. And I said, no, 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 we're not going there. You have no shame in this game, not in this room. We're not going to do it. And, um, you know, he said it's, you know, that little talk really made a difference to him. So let's go around the horn and let's offer some advice to our, our peeps out here. Um, Dave, we'll start with you. I would say, you know, get your PT and your OT, and if you can't get that, then get involved in a, uh, like a parks and recreation program. Mm-hmm. I got involved in water aerobics, and I basically went up to the instructor and talked with her one day and told her that I had a stroke, and I was partially paralyzed on the left side, and I just started to, w- to walk. Well, actually, I was totally par- paralyzed on my left side, mm. and I just started walking, and she basically took me on and said, no, come on, let's, we'll try it out. Mm-hmm. Then also with my Tai Chi instructor, a lady named Didi Nardini, and her assistant's name's Rita. I don't know Rita's last name, mm-hmm. but both both of them basically. I told them the, the story of my stroke, and that I was paralyzed on the left side, but I could I could, was still walking with a cane mm-hmm. at the time. And they said, "No, you belong here," mm-hmm. and they c- encouraged me to keep mm-hmm. coming, mm-hmm. and then to, to learn. Tai Chi. And I'm sure that as you made those uh, milestones and got stronger and stronger, that just made all the difference in the world in the way that you thought about yourself and thought your about recovery. Myself, yeah, and, and actually, mm-hmm. you know, and, and moving forward with the Tai Chi program mm-hmm. and getting farther and farther into it. Mm-hmm. And it's just really helped me a lot. And you had said that Tai Chi and uh, yoga were the most helpful for you? Tai Chi and yoga. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my neighbor walks me at night. Okay. We walk probably three to five miles a day. Wow. Yeah. Wow, because I know you go and pick up the kids from school. I pick up the school, kids mm-hmm. from school also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah. That's awesome. I walk at night also, but I walk a total of about three to five miles a day. Okay. That's enough to get you going. Okay, okay. So for everybody listening, take that. Uh, get out. Get out there and do get stuff. Get out and do it. Right, right. Get out there and do stuff and just don't sit and wallow and worry and ponder. And yeah, say, get in oh, the pool. Jump me? around. Move your arms. There use you the, go. Use the, use the water as resistance, you know? There you go. There you and go. And then Tai Chi just to the movements. Right, right, right. And the Gene, balance. Gene, what about you? What do you uh, offer as some some words of wisdom? I think the uh, biggest mistake that we all make is trying to be what you used to be, mm. how it looks for the future, mm-hmm. what you are going to be. I think that the way Dave is successful and Dr. Parker is successful mm-hmm. because they look toward the future. In my case, uh, after having said that, I probably should give up being lazy because <laughs> that's what I used to be in the past. But... I prefer that. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, not look at the past and hold that to such uh, a level of expectation. Right. You know, use it as a goal, but certainly don't get all crazy about it and and worry about the fact that you're not who you were or who you used to be or how you, you were and how you used to be. I think you have to take each symptom 
and tackle it mm-hmm. individually. Mm-hmm. And then the sum total of all of the various mm-hmm. accomplishments, mm-hmm. accomplishments yes. might be what you used to be, but I don't think that, that really matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, it's funny. You said that you were lazy. You say that a lot. You said that you're really lazy, but what activities have you used to really remain emotionally strong in the midst of your stroke? I think the most consistent thing is probably walking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. has to probably sit by the wayside. Uh, but I still insist upon working on communication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So perhaps that has shown some improvement, right? but certainly not what I used to be. And like I said, I think that the, the goal of what used to be it should not be considered. Yeah, just live in the now and just work on the now. And right. if you get back to where you were, great. You know, but just, yeah, don't don't worry about what used to be. Be concerned with what is the now. Right. What about you, Dr. Parker? I know that writing has obviously been a big uh, thing for you. I, I think, I, well, I, I, Irene Young, Y-U-N-G, was originally from Hong Kong mm-hmm. and came to the Shenry about uh, 13, uh, uh, 14 years. Mm-hmm. She has studied Tai Chi for more than 35 years. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, I joined her uh, Tai Chi class, I couldn't raise my are about my waist. Wow. Hmm. I couldn't uh, do Tai Chi for more than five minutes. Hmm. She said, that's all right. Uh, sit down <laughs> and rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, she always encouraged me to uh, do Tai Chi, so I, uh, I uh, lengthened uh, my stay in Tai Chi for uh, two, ten minutes, then fifteen minutes, then twenty minutes, mm-hmm. then thirty minutes, then thirty. You know, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, you know, let me ask you this because you know y- your writings are so awesome, and I have to go here with this. What was there ever a time where, after you had your stroke, that you thought to yourself, "Okay, I'll never be able to write books again. I'll never yes, be an author oh, again." Yes, I, I thought uh, that for the first year and a half, I, I didn't, uh, uh, I didn't. Feel 
at that I could write any words. Mm-hmm. And then was it Joe, your wife, kicking you in the tail, or was it just you just kind of saying, okay, this is ridiculous? Well, How yes. did you? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, Joe. Mm hmm. Kimi kicking me in the tail by Irene Jung. Kimi kicking me in the tail and uh, others. Yes, so collectively a lot of people just kicking you in the tail and not letting you suck back and fall just in the cracks and just kind of give up. Yeah. Uh, what were you saying, Gene, about the book, was it? A book club. Oh, were you involved in a book club too at the not, time? Not a book club. I just like reading mm-hmm. and shared my list of readings with uh, the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and now you've gone on to share your own books with the world for sure, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, everybody listening. Um, you know, we're all in this together, number one. Number two, the reason we even do this show and we all get together here is to obviously talk about things that we're going through. But, um, you know, again, we're all in this together. And so a lot of all of this, so the reason behind all of this is really to also encourage all of you who are listening that you are not alone in this. You are not by yourself in all of this. We're all in this together. We're there with you. We're here for you. And that if anything um, that you hear here can serve as any kind of encouragement for you, uh, if nothing else, you see that we're all still in the game. I mean, we're all still doing what we do and we are still who we are. Um, We are not our stroke. We are us. We are who we are. And um, just really just keep that in mind. So I encourage all of you who are listening to, if you haven't been involved in an activity, find an activity. It could be something at your local Y. It could be at the local college. Uh, Definitely look into some of the research groups that are going on in terms of um, uh, motor functions and, and things like that, speech therapies and stuff like that. Every major university I know has just, you know, Uh, groups like that certainly the major ones all have those kind of activities going on and they need people like us to be involved in them in order to help in their research and you know it'll get you out it'll get you out and back into the world and and doing things and reminding yourself of who you are and and who you were and getting you back to that person again so um just get out stay involved and um there you go so as always, you know, I, we so appreciate you listening and uh, just know that we love you guys. We are here for you. And until next time, remember, there is still a beautiful life after stroke. This has been a recorded program of an actual stroke support group. The comments expressed are the opinions of the participants and not necessarily the opinions of the producers, sponsors or the broadcasters of this show. This program is not to be used as a way to diagnose or treat any medical condition that you may have. Please consult your doctor or healthcare professional before making any changes to your current medical routine.
Life After Stroke is a production of the Hang On to the Dream Foundation, the 501c3 nonprofit organization that helps kids and adults reach their goals in life. If these Life After Stroke programs are helpful to you, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Hang On to the Dream Foundation to assist the organization in its numerous outreach activities. For more information, just go to www.hangontothedream.org. And remember, no matter how hard things seem, hang on to the dream.